0: Hi, I'm Mark Inilski. I'm the author of The Economics of Happiness and my new book, An Economy of Well Being. Welcome to my Economy of Well Being podcast. I believe the most important aspiration in life is well being and genuine happiness. But by happiness, I mean the original Greek definition, which literally means well being of your soul or well being of spirit. I also believe we have an opportunity to change the consciousness of our world by rediscovering the true meaning of words like wealth, which literally comes from the Old English, meaning the conditions of well-being. In my podcast, I am joined by some amazing guests and elders to talk about the development of a new economy based on well-being. I wrote about these ideas in my first book, The Economics of Happiness, and in my new book, An Economy of Well-Being, which explores stories and examples of how the new economy of well-being is emerging in our world. In these podcasts, you'll learn what you can do in your personal life, your business, and in your community to incorporate well-being into all decisions. I hope you enjoy these podcasts and feel more hopeful about the future. You can learn more about my book, An Economy of Well-Being, and my previous book, The Economics of Happiness, on my website, economyofwellbeing.com. That's economyofwellbeing.com. You can purchase my book on Amazon or from your favorite bookstore. I hope you have a wonderful life and day. My next special guest on the Economy of Wellbeing podcast is Jacqueline Cardinal. Jacqueline is a serial entrepreneur and currently owns and operates a number of companies which are geared towards the same goal, equipping communities with the means to support themselves and each other while we'll walking together on a shared path, a sentiment passed down to her through generations from her father and her father's father and mothers and grandmothers. At 28 years old, she's a co-owner and managing director of the indigenous owned and operated Nahiawen. With her brother Hunter, they're creating new tools to assist indigenous and non-indigenous peoples in an effort to reclaim the spirit of the numbered treaties. Jacqueline is a technologist at heart and continues to develop her skills in community engagement, strategic planning, and communications to be of service to her community and see Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples into a good future by working together. She was recently named Top 40 Under 40 by Avenue Magazine, along with her brother Hunter. Jacqueline is proud of the fact that she's never had a real job, she says. She simply lets her entrepreneurial spirit guide her. A technologist at heart, she started her own marketing and web development company, which allowed her to work and live remotely as a digital nomad. At the end of the day, she says, I think the work we're trying to do is to get people to be kinder to each other, understand where they live and have pride in where they live. I hope you enjoy this wonderful podcast with Jacqueline Cardinal, and please do check out the play that her and Hunter have produced called Lake of the Strangers. Enjoy the podcast.
1: I actually, I find that so through the process of actually working on the play, it's been really interesting to see how I like. Uh, I've really fallen in love again with storytelling, uh-huh. which because like I was in film before, and it right. was like like I was totally obsessed, and I love storytelling, like especially mm. in the, like I'm not a TV person because yeah, it doesn't yeah. it's character driven, so right, it's not right. a story, it's not a story, yeah. yeah. So like yeah. I love film, and like suddenly I'm just like there are so many interesting stories like that Hunter and I are like surrounded by, and like even just the idea of like how do Indigenous people think of themselves on a well-being scale, yeah, like. I don't know why I never thought that, like, that hasn't really been a thing that I've heard of. We're always measured based on, like, poverty. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not our own perceived well-being. Yeah. Like, that's fascinating yeah. as a story. Yeah. Too. So, I think mean, it could be a cool, cool So, so that's what I want, I
0: want to talk to you about. I mean, this is totally, like, very fluid. Yeah. Easygoing podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. maybe just introduce yourself. Oh, yeah, briefly, for sure. And, yeah. Uh, and then we can just sort of, we can riff on the... The story, that story theme, sure, or, yeah. Or you know, how, why is well-being important, yeah. to, and how do how do First Nations view yeah. well-being from that kind of that medicine wheel or whatever perspective. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're sure. you're Jacqueline Cardinal. Yes, I'm Jacqueline Cardinal. You know your Cardinal. dad. Yes, you do. Longer than you.
1: A lot longer than longer <laughs> than I've known my dad, I think. Yeah. I mean like who who among us really know our fathers? Oh I um. you I know my father. But <laughs> so we heard a
0: story on Saturday we podcast we did yeah. like, my sisters and I did a three hour like how did you come to Canada? What what was it like growing up in the war in oh, Germany? So it was neat. fantastic. And he got totally emotional, which wow. was perfect.
1: Yeah. I mean that's what you want. Because right? I said,
0: How did you feel? And he went
1: right yeah
0: uh, what did you think
1: yeah yeah those and like you I mean especially like asking men those questions yeah so interesting but um yeah yeah so I I describe myself typically as an indigenous technologist and <laughs> entrepreneur and now I'm a playwright a fresh new and a playwright, playwright. And, yeah. you're, and
0: you're about to yeah, world premiere of world premiere.
1: Uh, on the twenty fourth of Lake of the Strangers. Lake of the Strangers. Yeah, so it's my first play collaboration with my brother Hunter Cardinal. who yeah. is just one of the most talented people I've ever met, and um, it's one man show. And he's good looking too. And he's good looking and he's kind. He is, just
0: He's so kind.
1: How does he? Where does he? Why, where did that come from? I know. I'm just like I, <laughs> I left a lot in the womb. Apparently. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been a, I, yeah, it's been a fascinating process just seeing up close. Like, no, indeed he is just that wonderful and amazing. And I'll just try and take as much credit uh, for that as I can. And, um, uh, but the story is like very much about, um, the, it's our family stories, so it's you know a, a mixture of you know stories from Hunter and I growing up. The the main storyline, the plot of the story, is around uh, two brothers that go on a fishing trip together. It's in 1973, so it's it's a lot of kind of rooting through family history and merging our you know mine and Hunter's stories onto it, and trying to like through merging all this stuff, trying to understand you know what we believe is the answer for how we heal. Um, and on a, a bit of a deeper level, at least for me, because I'm a slightly melancholic person. Um, just, this in- just just slightly. Yeah, just slightly. Yeah. Um, just this interest around, you know, why even bother? Like if you mm. look at, you know, where we are at now and seeing how, like if you keep, I don't know, I, I feel like it's fascinating that we're still trying to heal, given I'm just like, where are we going? Yeah. So we don't really have any concept of where we're going. But we're, Mm. we're so like, I think it's just kind of the will to survive that has kept us going, but you know, why bother continuing? So it's, it's Mm. been a really cool process. I, I, you know, as I mentioned before, I'm kind of a technology systems kind of more right brain person, generally speaking recently and kind of diving back into the left brain and rooting through this creative stuff has just been, um, it's felt very therapeutic and um, has kind of, I feel like it's just been this, you know, year long, so that's how long we've been working on the story, just kind of therapy session. Wow. And now you get to see my, uh, I feel I feel like it's kind of a book report at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, here's all of the explorations we did and how much we learned about our dad and our parents and what oh, it is wow. to be indigenous. And, you know, here's what we learned. Here's what we know. So far, yeah. Yeah, here's what we know yeah. so far. I mean, like the ripe age of 28. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Here's what it is.
0: Yeah. So so I, I mean, there's so many questions, but yeah, um, I often ask So you're an indigenous, so I'm so, so mm-hmm. looking at it saying, post you know, TRC mm-hmm. youth reconciliation, yeah. post the, you know trauma of residential school, you're, mm-hmm. you're like the next generation. Yeah. The generation that may actually transcend all this pain and ridiculous uh, treatment that we imposed on, on yeah. Turtle Island people.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean hopefully. Hopefully. Talk about how
0: you, like, so mm-hmm. you still, you yourself have sometimes concerned about your own, um, you know, wondering what's, why bother? Mm-hmm. Uh, so what, what, what makes, what gives you hope?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting you were asking that because I had to do some very last-minute rewrites of just one scene, just one line yesterday um, after a, a, our tech dress rehearsal. And there was... I actually asked that question to myself just sitting in the hallway on my laptop, just being like, okay, if we're, if we're at this moment in the story where this character has to make this decision to go on despite what has happened um, and despite not knowing the future um, and despite kind of losing himself why take that first step out of hell, mm. you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and for me, because like, I actually really, really struggled with depression when I was younger. So I actually think that more than a lot of people, I feel kind of comfortable with darkness. So really, you mm. know, and I've said multiple times, that this writing, this story has been kind of a bit of a practice of looking into the abyss and waiting until your eyes adjust wow. until you see something. Yeah. Huh. and it 's terrifying because there 's a real chance of being like, "Well, why bother and there being no answer it 's like that oh. question around biodiversity, mm. why have biodiversity It's well because it 's good for human beings yeah we well, 're you know we 're adapted to exist in this environment, which is a very cold answer <laughs> you know and the, and I was afraid, and there 's a fear of looking into that abyss and being like, Well, why bother healing and it 's just like there 's no real reason like mm. there 's no reason anything happens, everything is chaos and Um, why are indigenous people put in the position that we're in? It's like there's no real reason and I think that especially when you're younger, you know, you seek reasons for the way that the world is because, you know, at least you can blame somebody or, you know, have some sort of logic for it but Mm. just chaos and the fact that there is no reason is kind of it's really hard to deal with Um, so, you know, this idea of where does hope come from? Because I think you know, on the flip side, like I'm You know, most people that have worked with me or um, known me, especially in the last few years, ask me often, like, how are you so full of hope? Like, how do you maintain that hopefulness? And I think that actually I require my ability to look into that abyss, to look into this idea that, you know, yes, we could be this generation that can transcend, you know, the suffering of the past, but also that we could be the last generations of being distinct cultural peoples as indigenous peoples and seeing that you know, our quest stands upon the edge of a knife to, you know, quote Galadriel, you know, and, and, uh, and, and seeing that and like in that way, pulling the goalie is usually how I think about it. It's like, well, why it's kind of like positive existentialism, Mm -hmm. just like, you know, not nihilism essentially. It's just like, well, if nothing matters and everything is chaos, there's no, yeah, there's no reason to do anything. Uh. It's like, well, why not try? And I think that that's where the hope comes from. Is that it's um, it, it is a bravery in a way, I think, to look at the darkness and be like, well, if that's likely the way that things are gonna, you know, roll out, or that may be how things roll out, you know, why not why not try to be that grain of sand on the positive side and push things forward and have some faith in. Our, our dad always tells this story that. Um, as Indigenous peoples, when um, when someone is born, we consider that child an answer to a prayer. prayer.
0: I love that line from your dad. Me, me too. Well, from the elders. From prayer.
1: elders in general. Yeah, right. yeah. And answered
0: our prayer, and I said, "What prayer were we born into?" Exactly. When did and we ever ask, exactly. ask or discover yeah. it?
1: Exactly. And I think that that you know, growing up, you know, the way that I kind of meandered into this kind of belief now is very much without actually knowing that story until later. Understanding that I was, I felt like I was waiting for a very long time as an Indigenous youth for somebody to pull up a chair to the table and say, like, mm. "Here, here's how you can help, When actually, what you, what we needed to do was say, "How can I be of service?" And having that kind of servant leadership, mm. um, right?
0: There's that servant leadership line, yeah.
1: exactly. Yeah. And that, you know, I, I, I wish that I could have been told that sooner. But it <laughs> might have been a, you know, might have been another kind of quest situation that you have to discover it on your own. Uh-huh. Um, but how you can't wait for somebody to say, here's how you can help. You have to have that question, what answer, um, what prayer am I an answer to? Try to fill that role. And if that's not it, you just keep looking. You just keep that horizontal movement. You keep that circumambulation yeah. and try to get closer to what it is that you're here to do. Right. And in that way as well, there's no wrong decision. There's no wasted right. time. You're always getting closer if you keep your head up and you don't be afraid to look at the dark but you also look for the light. And so it's it's been a really interesting kind of force balancing feel for me. And it just happens that like I I choose to try and be of help. And it's that simple. Because mm. like hope was something that I actually had to look up. Like I was just like, what is hope? Like if you look at my Google history from last night trying to yep. write this line, where does hope come from? 'Cause like I don't people tell me that I'm very hopeful but I would never describe myself
0: as that way. Ah. Uh, so interesting. Yeah. But yeah. it is a
1: very interesting time to be to be an Indigenous person and the thing that I hold on to the most is that like our goal as indigenous people today isn't is to continually be and become more Indigenous and make <clears> it so that the next generation can have more of a choice to be Indigenous than than right, than we right, do today. Right. Yeah. And you know, just that humble moving of the needle goal is is helpful too so,
0: so I mean I I love some of the stories most of your father shared mm-hmm. and other elders but that, you know there's this and I could be accused of being romantic about the indigenous mm. you know, the Turtle island story but mm-hmm. um, can you talk about when you you know one thing I've been exploring with uh, with my work and the new book is if if we're in touch with the reason we're here mm-hmm. um when did we ever explore that in high school Um, at any point in our life Mm -hmm. And according to my understanding of your traditions that would happen during your vision quest Mm -hmm. and and every youth was required to spend those those days alone Mm -hmm. uh, listening to the Creator um, understanding maybe reaffirming why you're here Mm -hmm. uh, what your gifts are Um, how do you how do you view that kind of possibility In our education system and um, how do we actually get in touch with why we're here and and who we are
1: yeah I mean that's that's a toughie I mean I think you know it's it's interesting for me that I think that the way that our dad and our family at large really raised Hunter and I um, is that we they gave us a lot of room they didn't like our de- like our indigenous culture traditions and stories. They were always kind of like a part of the furniture in our mm, household, mm-hmm. but they weren't something that we necessarily consciously were like. This is something we have access to um, that that we relied on, mm, if, if I can mm-hmm. make that distinction.
0: So like, and nor was it religion or like an, an exactly. imposition. Exactly. Yeah, so yeah.
1: like our, and I think that there's like, and that's a, that's actually been something challenging to kind of root through. um, now because i'm just like why not because i did Mm -hmm. need it i didn't realize it then but i did Mm -hmm. need that and um you know and 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 how it wasn't uh, i didn't perceive it as a real lifeline like it was but I, i didn't realize that it was but at the same time i was suffering the negative you know like the kind of societal impacts of being somebody non-white in culture. And were culture. You,
0: were you bullied for that? Or were you kind of Yes.
1: I mean again is I am like I'm an extremely to a fault like introspective person. <laughs> yeah. So like so for me so I like don't your think, brother. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. And like I also um, yeah, I was very concerned. I, like, I don't, I, don't, I don't actually, I think people said st- stuff, like, a couple times. I just kind of. But it was, it's this feeling of not belonging. Mm. And a very okay. conscious feeling of not belonging in time as well. Ah, so, like, I yeah, remember, interesting. there were a couple times I went to powwows, or, like, what I would perceive as, like, this is my culture, and it was so historicized that I was like, I missed it. Ah, and right. there's a real kind of grief that I mm. experienced, and I I couldn't I couldn't put it into words. So I couldn't talk to my dad about it.
0: The sucker sucker creek powwow. Uh yeah or yeah just, yeah yeah no there here. was
1: it was actually there was one at the native friendship center. I remember just like fucking bawling. Just <clears throat> I was so upset, and like my dad didn't understand at all because I couldn't verbalize mm. why I was so upset. Right. Uh, I think that he thought that I was embarrassed, and I was in a way, but not you know, it was mashed with a bunch of I was like 10. So I do not really know how to explain that I felt like I missed it. Um and that I'll always feel alone because all of these people um that like, you know, cuz I also loved computers at the same time. So there was that tension as well. Uh, like I'm very much like I love computers. I love technology. I love space travel and sci-fi and I uh, love this idea of like, you know, a a future that I'm really excited about being a part of and experiencing. Um So, you know, that tension as well about being, like, my identity is locked in the past, but I'm interested in the future, so I'm just being stretched in the middle and just Uh feeling guilty and, like, being interested in the future. And a a future that may not look very indigenous is that me betraying my Uh culture and my family Uh and these things that my family fought for. Because, you know, the Alberta Indian Movement and, you know, the the treaties, like, all these things were very much, like... You know they're the core of my family story, sure, so. sure, it almost felt like I was rejecting it in a way, and like uh. again, we didn't the only connection I had to culture as well was through my dad so i didn't I didn't have much of a you know the the maternal connection to culture yeah, either, yeah. so I was like your being American indigenous, was, yeah. yes, yeah, 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 so being indigenous as well was to me the experience was very male,
0: ah right, right, so right. I was
1: kind of i could I didn't really belong at school and but I was good at it enough so it was never a problem like I found school fairly easy like I never really had to work very hard which was a problem in university when I did <laughs> you know and then I really had to yeah. like you know get it's my under me and yeah and like really you know wow. put some effort in so yeah. it didn't fit in school didn't really felt like I fit at home didn't feel like I fit in my own family because I was so um uh, my brother like I'm a pretty disagreeable person which is <laughs> admirable in a young man <laughs> yeah in a young woman, you're just like, what's wrong with you? Wow. So yeah, so I think, um, and but well, my brother was a very, you know, very agreeable, very talented, kind, charismatic, charismatic yeah, you know, yeah. all these things that are very positive. And like for me, I was very, you know, I isolated myself unintentionally. Yeah, you know, I yeah. So it was it was a it was a really challenging way to grow up. And I actually only feel like I really grasped on my culture as like, oh, this is a thing I can use, and that is for me in the last two or three years, really, um, because of all these weird tensions, and uh, which is why so much of my work now, if somebody asks me to come speak anywhere, I will because I find that, you know, you're supposed to be who you needed when you were younger, right? And, like, I take that very seriously. So if I can be, you know you know a disagreeable woman that is indigenous <laughs> that you know like loves technology that has yeah. like that suffered from mental illness when i was younger and i mean never really goes away it's always something you have to kind of manage um, mm. as well as like other various parts of my identity that like if i can be those things in front of people if one person who can feel better because i know if i saw that that would have been very important for me mm-hmm. so i'm not alone yeah. yeah so you know and again wow. it's a very interesting time to be to have this set of identities because it doesn't mean anything necessarily right now. We're kind of in that part of like what do we do with these you know, one of the images that we have in our play is this idea of this, you know, giant tree with it that had been pulled down that has these roots sticking into this hole. And about how we're not meant to hide in the roots, we're meant to use them. Uh, you know, and about how, um, and that's very much something. Yeah. yeah, that's very much something that I believe, though, yeah. is that like we're not supposed to just be like you know gather around the roots and be like look at our roots. We're supposed to be like, what do we do with them now? How do we mm. use them? How do we feel worthy enough to use them, like our stories and medicines right, and right. tools, and and see ourselves as a part of being connected and just as worthy as people a thousand years ago that used these tools because right. we are. Yeah, but I don't think we feel that way because again, historicization. Um, institutional and cultural racism yeah yeah so it's a very i don't know if i really answered your question but no you did it was yeah. perfect it yeah. was
0: like a meandering stream yeah, yeah was supposed yeah. to be yeah so i yeah. one thing that your your dad uh shared with me which mm. always has changed my life forever is the story of edmonton of monto mm. and um, all those like the the vision of the great gathering place yeah. edmonton when mm-hmm. people say why edmonton i said because it's a great pehon and it there's a great it was a great gathering place for thousands of years and so tell us tell me a little bit about your understanding that story Mm -hmm. and and why you think it has so much meaning for a young generation of you know I would look at our girls like they were born here Mm -hmm. they grew up here maybe for the first time we have a generation where they actually choose to stay here and they somehow they understand why they're connected to this place, and what mm-hmm. what's so profound about that pehonan story that that story of an economy of relationships of putting aside differences of uh and just yeah just mm-hmm. being present mm-hmm. to each other in an economy where no money was really needed except seashells, perhaps yeah, yeah, and exactly to me as an economist that's that's just such a compelling story. To, <laughs> That, like, are you kidding me? We have so much to celebrate mm. as Edmontonians. Is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I couldn't agree more, and I think that that's, um, I mean, it's so funny because the, like, anything to do with my dad's work, because he's my dad, I can't, I can't stop my brain from shutting <laughs> off. Shutting off a little. Yeah. Anytime he wants, like, anytime he's sharing about his work, it's not because I don't find it interesting, because I'm literally doing a lot of the same work now. Um
0: yeah, I see I see that with our daughter. Right? Too, right. Yeah. It's like that. you know, when they're young, they're like dad, you're so you embarrassed. Yeah. Just be quiet, you talk yeah. too much, you know. And like
1: how do you explain to your friends like what your dad <clears throat> does? You can't like you he's can't. a consultant, like what's that? I mean? like, I don't know. I don't know, he's Not a storyteller. Exactly. Guess. And then like ironically now I'm a consultant. <laughs> Gosh. Um yeah. yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, what what I see in that story of how, you know, Edmonton like most major, I think all actually major cities in Canada is that they're um, they're situated where there was you know traditional gathering places of uh-huh. Indigenous peoples. Uh-huh. But in particular, what's so amazing about Edmonton is just how widespread the knowledge of this one Pahonan was, where a city is now. Um, how important it was as a as a crossroads where. Um, uh, I, I believe during the uh, the uh, equinoxes, the buffalo and the the niska, the, the goose, they would basically cross exactly during their migration patterns exactly where Edmonton is. So that's one of the kind wow. of practical... yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. So it was a, so there's you know I understand like on a on an ecological level it was a very important place, but also this is where the uh, the Laurentian, Cordilleran um, ice sheets where they didn't right. touch. So this was a very important.
0: Where Jared Diamond says, when he came here, yeah. he said, like, wow, I'm at it's the... Amazing. Where mm-hmm. they, you amazing. Know, imagine yeah. a kilometer of ice. Like, exactly. exactly on the horizon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah. you know, and, and like our people, the Segway Inouk, um the Wood Cree, um, we were known as the uh, the ice people because we lived like right up against that wall wow. of ice. And like, so it's just, you know, just the...
0: Talk you know, about I cool tra- wallpaper.
1: I know, right? <laughs> Oh, it's just the coolest. I really want to write a story about that time period just Incredible. because of how insane, you know, <laughs> you know what, what kind of cool imagination journey you could go on. But, yeah, yeah. You know, so, I don't, like, I've traveled a lot, like, growing up. Like, I was really fortunate, like, as a kid with my dad's work, we were able to travel quite a bit. Um, obviously as a child you always love coming back home no matter mm-hmm. if you, you know we spent a month in Hawaii once I remember a, a weekend I was like I'm, wa- I'm ready to go home now. <laughs> you know like he's like yeah. 10 years old but like you know when you spend a good deal of your childhood like traveling and then kind of wanting to leave because I think it's just a normal part of growing up too sure wanting to live elsewhere I lived in Colorado for a while I lived in England did uh, co- traveled quite extensively in Europe you lived and in Boulder I did for your yeah parents?
0: yeah yeah, well, they didn't meet there, but they lived there. They did, yeah. When yeah. I was younger, and yeah. so I
1: went to that university for a bit for film, um, and I just really disliked that program. <laughs> it was just awful. It was just I was 17. I shouldn't. I can, I still can't believe my I still was. I went to college at 17 alone like really wow. far away from home extremely like which college uh, boulder university of boulder okay yeah Dome yeah Colorado boulder. Yeah, um, yeah the film studies so it was uh you know got like a full ride and like it was like i took the sats and i it was just it, like i i went so hard to get to get there and i wow. got there and i was like this isn't the right thing huh which was like super devastating my bad Because that was, like, you know, at that age especially, like, that being your goal for two years. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I got into, actually, a lot of film schools and got, like, scholarships to those, but I could only go to the ones where I could, you know, obviously be funded to go there. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, it was a really weird experience. But, you know, in in doing that traveling, um, and as I got older you know, kind of like early 20s, I was like, Edmonton's a really wicked place to live. And you can't quite put it into words. Right. And I feel like Isn't that's what everybody says. Yeah, yeah. they do. They like,
0: can't put my finger on exactly. it.
1: Exactly. But you just feel like you're home here in a mm. way that it doesn't feel like that in other places, even though, you know, I mean, New York's an amazing place. Sure. Francisco's an amazing place. You yeah. know, London's an amazing place. But it's something there's something very special about the quality of being in Edmonton. And um, I, th- I feel like I only learned recently about the kind of history, like the true deep history of Edmonton. And I feel like, I've really felt like if people love where they live, they'll treat it differently. And I feel like that's kind of the core, that's kind of the utility of spreading mm. that message of the Pahona and of the history of Edmonton. Because I think if people knew the richness of the history here and that there is actually um, some really interesting... I don't know i hate to say vibrations in this space but there is there's there's something that people pick up yeah there's something that people pick up here and um and i think if people knew some of the explainable parts of where that's coming from i think that they would um treat it differently i think people would walk a little lighter i think that they would be kinder to each other and that's for me the reason why i think that's so important is that it it also allows you to stand a little bit taller and when we have different understanding as well of treaty Of not just we're all on Treaty 6 territory, but... but we're all treaty people. Exactly. When we have that understanding as well, you have now a sense of um, coherence, of continuity, of you're not here by mistake. Mm -hmm. Um, The city isn't here by mistake. You're not here by mistake. And then you, I think, inevitably are just like, okay, if I'm not here by mistake, I'm not here as an invader. I'm a treaty person. I'm willing to take up that responsibility. All of a sudden, I think your life... Because you've now imbued it with meaning, you then now have permission and the ability to lead a meaningful life. And I think that's what people want, especially, you know, us depressed millennials, um, you know, especially is that we're just like, okay, so we've, we've gone down, you know, our parents and grandparents went down the materialistic, you know, you know, the, you know economic yeah, model. you we all did. Yeah. And it didn't work great we can check that off that's valuable yeah, to know that we doesn't tried work that
0: didn't bring us you know, happiness not enduring no, happiness no sure.
1: exactly and so and that's where like you know what is an alternative and i actually have found now that you know my kind of what i had previously thought was kind of a fork in the road you know my identity on one path and kind of my interests um and my vocation on another of you know of our culture of my culture and of my um, my interests in technology that it's actually they don't diverge Mm -hmm. Um, you know emergent technologies are coherent with indigenous ways of thinking and they are coherent I believe with ways of actually producing meaningful meaningful life that actually Mm -hmm. we're just in this weird history blip of industrialization where it doesn't enable us to actually pursue meaning or Mm -hmm. we have to work as much as we do to be able to support ourselves in this economy Mm -hmm. when that's it's unsustainable. We know that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the only way to solve things is for the world to get a little more indigenous and a little more, you know, yeah. yeah, Decentralized wiser. Hopefully
0: Hopefully. (laughs) cross your fingers. Wow. Yeah. So if you were uh, running for premier, what will your platform be?
1: Oh, I don't. I. I mean, a. Have you ever thought of that? I, I'm sorry. I after mean, being you're too young. Uh, I, I mean, after being no, my dad's. You're a storybook.
0: You're a filmmaker, right? Yeah. And, and so this is about storyboarding. Yeah. You paint us a picture. I love it. What's the storyboard look like? Next ten years. What could oh, it look like? Man, see,
1: and it's so tough because like, <laughs> I so love technology that I'm just like it, the future changes so okay, fast. Okay, so a
0: blockchain future. Where yeah smart contracts and everyone is like yeah honestly
1: I feel like and this is kind of where me and Hunter are at kind of in our work life is that like we feel this really big push to make space and to make space without plans to fill it and once you create that space, it will fill with what it
0: needs to. You set the table. You have a little bit of faith yeah. in doing that. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, like, you know, so, you know, it's exactly what we're talking about. These technologies are actually, like, incredible space makers. Yes. Also, we don't need as many middlemen and, you know, uh-huh. more time is is made available. So then we can, at that point, have a little bit of faith that 10 years from now, Jackie will know what to do with it. You know, having worked mm. to get there and being 10 years wiser, we'll have some, you know, it's very, Hunter and I describe, um, our concepts of the future as uh, futures and severalty, and that's why, so that um, futures and severalty. Yes, so that our futures, we, we own we own only the part of our, we only own the part of the future that we will actually touch, and then we need to uh, let it go after that. So making uh, any kind of, okay. which is I think an interesting partner to that idea of seven generation planning.
0: Yeah, like, can we talk about that? Yeah. How do you bring? Your seven, exactly. your all your relations into yes. your present and future.
1: Yes. So, uh so just for for listeners, if you, <laughs> and for myself, ever Yeah, so um, for, me. Yeah, for, listener, yeah, uh, for listener, for our dozen listeners,
0: yeah, um, <laughs> no, we get about three hundred fifty people who are like
1: that's incredible, that's
0: ridiculous. Okay, so
1: for our listeners, I'm then. nobody.
0: I'm like next to Oprah. no. I'm <laughs> not next to Oprah Super Soul Sunday. So, oh no, that's that's she that's, will she will start to pay attention. Who is this Jackie Car? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: There you go. Uh, um yeah so so what i've what i've been told by our elders is that um the way that we need to one of the reasons that we need ceremony is that human beings have terrible long-term memory that we just forget Mm. things constantly that we're so myopic we are you know so we forget very easily that like oh the world isn't going to end when i die or the world isn't you know the world will exist in 10 years i think we make very very short-term decisions and I think we see the fruits of that in our present economy and the way that the world is oriented in a Western paradigm, that it's kind of like individualistic, very short term thinking. Mm. An indigenous paradigm is very much how do we understand that we need to make all decisions with seven generations into the future in mind. Right. That's one application of this kind of thinking, Um, you know. And and the way that I've heard it applied often is, you know, with reconciliation that you know is part of the truth and reconciliation cultural indigenous cultural resurgence is that we need to anticipate this will take seven generations at least to actually do. So like I'm generation two or one depending on where you measure from. And
0: we know I have experienced this where I've been in a space. I won't say his name. uh, Dene elders uh, home Mm -hmm. when there were. Six generations. That's enough. Present.
1: Wow. Wow, wow. wow, I'm like,
0: wait a minute, seven, okay, yeah, yeah started having babies at 12, maybe mm-hmm. you get to seven, or you lift 110. Exactly. But isn't it remarkable that when you mm-hmm. think seven generations, it seems like, no, that's not a po- that's not possible, but mm. actually it is. Yeah. Jeez. Right? That is bonkers. <laughs> that's bonkers. Yeah, that's Anyway, totally... so I'm like, that's not...
1: No, it's not impossible, but but I mean, like, yeah. you know, and I, you know, if, if you, if you, into, if you say that, like, you know, a generation's about 20, 25 years, and yes. that's 150, that's 175 right. years yeah. of the future, yeah. which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Like, we just worked on a project where we had to do 10 years of planning, yeah, which everybody's like, that's nuts, and like, you guys don't even know, this is one fifteenth right. of what, you know, indigenous people try to actually do as an as yeah. aspiration for that planning, so I think that this idea of being partnered with that very long-term thinking, an extremely important part of that long-term thinking is understanding that you you actually only is to not overstep your generation that you're in. So the way that I've, the way that Hunter and I have been thinking Hmm. about this, and I'm sure scholars have said this in a much more succinct kind of elegant way, but that there's a reason why our grandparents, we don't have any legends of what our grandparents and great-grandparents have or any stories from them about what they hoped we would be. Like, we... Mm, right. We looked. So, like, Hunter and I looked. Like, we, they had, like, the hope that we'd be able to walk both paths, you know, the indigenous and non-indigenous path, you know, um, and have the strength of two people to do that. But that's about it. And we were just like, why the heck? So we just thought it was a weird oversight. But now that we're in the position that we're in of, like, thinking very long-term and seeing that, like, our ancestors had a reason for not saying this is what we hope these people are like, it would be crushing if, like, our ancestors were like, well, we hope our future ancestors are like this, and we weren't like that.
0: Right, it would have been crushing, yeah.
1: Crushing, and, like, and so having that ability to to prepare the next generation to make the best decisions and be rooted and be confident and feel balanced in themselves that when they're on their side of the horizon that we can't see their horizon, their future and sovereignty, that they will make the right decisions for them and have faith that they're going to make better decisions than we will. Mm -hmm. So if you have that ethic that you're trying to make it so the next generation can be even more indigenous, you're less freaked out about letting go of that power and allowing that power to be distributed into the future. Whereas in the West, what I find is that there's this almost humiliation of your, like very like... there's this kind of humiliation about being connected to this past, right? Yes. About, like, look how dumb we were, look how not sophisticated we were, as opposed to, like, well, if we had to build every road and every building and every bridge that we use today that our forebears did, like, we would never get anything done because we would always have to rebuild everything. So, like, the the pride and... um, being grateful of the past is actually something that I I feel like is a bit so I think that that's where when we're saying long-term thinking you actually do need to understand that things are very long-term but also have the humility and understanding that you're not supposed to do all that planning you're supposed to prepare for those six, next seven generations six generations five generations to do what they need to do and have faith that they will make the right choices so that also takes some of the pressure off too because it's not like we have to come up with a 175 year you know strategic plan for indigenous peoples to become culturally resurgent we just need to identify the present-day problems that we have solve those to the best of our abilities and then hopefully that's enough of a step that the next generation can stand on top of that and see farther than us and be able to do that with the next step and the next step and the next step but i think unhanding that power is very challenging Um, especially in the West, because, you know, we know better than our parents did. We know better than our grandparents did. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah.
0: So you're, you and I have talked about things like cryptocurrency and Mm -hmm. uh, all these new technologies that hope, uh, and Mm -hmm. we've talked about how the West, the Western mind, the mind of the North has dominated our world, uh, particularly through the control of money mm-hmm. uh, and so financial the mm-hmm. financial matrix has been a brilliant kind of architecture of the of the Western mind mm-hmm. and the work I do with other um, with others is is to bring the notion that there's four directions there, there are actually f- at least four. Uh, directions. There's an East, the West. Mm-hmm. If, if the North has been the dominant culture through the British the codification of law, which the British got from the Romans, mm-hmm. um, bring this to this kind of vision of uh, a future where money is no longer our master, that we potentially are free in a, in a future that may involve blockchain, mm-hmm. uh, cryptocurrencies of a different nature. Mm-hmm. Um, have you you've given some thought to this this idea this vision what what do you see like in terms of technology or is is there a future where we will actually be free freer uh, mm-hmm. less encumbered by the debt money system and free to be mm-hmm. truly sovereign in the sense of time yeah or the why we're here mm-hmm. the gifts that we were supposed to bring mm-hmm. and share mm-hmm. Not yeah. encumbered by I'm sorry I got a mortgage to pay. I, I'm distracted by student loans. Yeah. And yeah. And and that to me is an, an unnatural limiter of our true gifts and capacities.
1: Oh hugely. And I mean I don't I don't know how we as a society are all just super cool with this idea that like a huge a huge portion of us are like a month away from being homeless. Like yeah. that's
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous.
1: That's sociopathic. Yeah. Like borderline psychopath, in psychopathic in my opinion, and we're all okay with it. Yeah. Like it's like, I don't know. Like I, I'm actually quite afraid to have children because like, ex- <laughs> like you have to explain that in some way, you know. No, I, I
0: remember being a, a young parent going, I did, you know, I like building spreadsheets. It yeah. doesn't make sense. No, especially have the second kid. No yeah. way. Yeah. Like, how How can we afford how it? How are you going to do it? Yeah. And, and you go to bed anxious about what? That's insane. Like, what do you mean we're not going to have children just because a spreadsheet tells right? you? I know.
1: And it doesn't make any sense just And like, yet it works out. Yeah.
0: Like our yeah. parents did it. Yeah. We did it. We yep. got oh we got through, right? It's like, <laughs> did we go bankrupt? No. Yeah. Did things just work out? Yeah. Yeah, they did.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean like this is and this is where like I'll definitely show my ignorance in like kind of like current economic systems. But um I mean I do I am I mean like I I, I send you the weirdest text sometimes. I'm just like <laughs> should our goal right now be to demonetize indigenous like like life? Like, because I think that that's a huge limiter
0: um, to demonetize.
1: Yeah. So to demonetize yeah. being because you can't. I mean, it's, it's really like so, and this is where it's just kind of like Hunter and I when we started our company. The reason we did that, or at least the reason that I did it, I think Hunter might have just been humoring me. Um, was that you can't? I noticed that in our family when when we worked together. When are like we have si- pairs of siblings going all the way yeah there, yeah yeah that work together. As soon as like when they're t- when we're together, we're able to do really interesting work, and that's where there's been like a lot of really cool successes. And then as soon as we kind of get split up, that's when we you kind of get sucked into these various systems. And I think that's mm-hmm. because it's and I see this with Neha and in the work that we're doing in general is that like it's. It's very difficult to retain your indigeneity if you are constantly submerged in an alien way of thinking from an indigenous perspective right right you it's so easy to get fooled into being into you know being super consumed by recognition politics of wanting to be recognized by you know, the Canadian state or, mm-hmm. you know, non-Indigenous cultures at large of being an Indigenous person. So being recognized, um, you know, seeking um, confirmation from outside and seeking validation from other people. And like if you're if you get caught up in that, you're wasting time developing actual sovereignty.
0: hmm. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, and I know from, like, from, like, past businesses I've run, you know, when you kind of, like, you know, do enough work to pay your bills and, like, you, you have a ton of freedom within that bubble. Yeah. And you can kind of do whatever yeah. you want. Yes. And, like, that's the mo- closest to sovereignty that I've seen in practice. Is the sovereignty of like financial independence and yes, you know how, how you think differently because of that. Like as soon as you get crunched for money, you think differently. You're oh, like, yeah. you're like a you know the
0: anxiety like trapped. You're like a trapped, a, like a trapped a, animal. You are trapped. Yeah. Yeah, it's and, like how it it kind of, and how it incredible experience
1: and how you get you you get stuck in it too. Like it's yeah. almost like in a way like you can't get out of it either. Like it's it's you know once you have some money, it's like it's easier. It's way easier to make money. you know but if you don't have money it's like it's almost impossible to get out of that
0: yes and like and I think
1: that that's where like that's where indigenous people are stuck is that we're stuck in Mm. where we are economically and because of that you think differently so you're not able to think long term because you're worried about next month yeah like it's crazy how short and I mean like as a you know a young person you just have less money than older people because you've had less time to make it and like it's fine but like it's crazy how your timelines shrink to two weeks sometimes yeah well what you're going to do yeah and how are you supposed to think long term how are you supposed to think about becoming that answer to that prayer yeah
0: well this is what i asked the question because i remember speaking to uh, elders at the uh, national mm. indian trust conference here at the, yeah. at the river Creek, right and and when i got up i was invited at the last minute to speak and i said I just said one slide Wizard of Oz yeah right I said yes this is the trauma yeah the story we mm-hmm. believe the story right yep. and yep. you don't know do you know it's a story of money mm-hmm right and some yep. of the elders were crying I said it that you told us a different story use Kari shell Tila use seashells mm-hmm. as a base of yep. exchange a mm-hmm. currency why the shell mm-hmm. did mm-hmm. you know the ancient Taiwanese the 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 sisters of the, the Polynesians, you know, mm-hmm. use seashells, and mm-hmm. so what is about that story that can be modernized, right? I and, and so yeah. yeah, so we're stuck in our own spin cycle, believing a story mm-hmm. uh, or a few stories about money mm-hmm. uh, that were created for totally. for whatever you know for for to me very clear strategic reasons. Oh, a- for sure, and to keep. Us in a kind of state of anxiety, uh, traumatized, mm-hmm. and when I work with Indigenous people, I say, "Do you, you understand? You call yourself nations. You're sovereign. You have wealth. You have assets. yeah That's the base of the money. Mm-hmm. So why are you afraid of the shadow? Like what shadow? Yes. Who are you yeah. afraid of?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, and, that's... and so
0: you got to transcend <laughs> it. And, and I said maybe the elders can help with ceremony mm-hmm. to remind us that, however these seashells were used. Uh, or known to be, you know, mm-hmm. important to Wampum and Pawlatch and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those stories you have to remind us, because mm-hmm. we're the yep. intergenerational traumatized Western mind too.
1: Well, and that's and that's what's been so I think so interesting. Like as we've built our business, is like the true, the true win has been when money isn't a thing that we have to mm-hmm. worry about. Not when we have more.
0: Yeah, but kind of enough to
1: exactly once we have enough because like if you have like it's also so easy to get out of balance like so you either are trapped by not having enough money or then you get sucked into you know like lifestyle creep and then you're competing with other people to get status
0: and it's probably okay like i always say maybe it's okay when you're young when you're your age Mm -hmm. to have a little anxiety about money because it, it motivates right it's like yeah i need to write a you know i need to get a client i need to right yeah I, I need to work hard. It's not, I'm not going to slack up immediately. Yeah. But it's okay in that window maybe of life.
1: I agree. Yeah. And, and again, you just don't have as much, you haven't had as much time to, you know, build that like right. confidence that you can support yourself. Exactly. So you don't know if you, you can actually, Why yeah. Why the
0: phone ring? Why should someone call Exactly. Jackie Cardinal? I mean.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I
0: still don't know, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. No. you're awesome. Yeah. Right? yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Know you. You're gifted, right? Yeah. I mean, we all have our gifts. That's the point, right? Exactly. Others will recognize your gift and mm-hmm. call you and hire you. Mm-hmm. It's, Again, a, it's, it's still, a miracle, but I, it happens.
1: I'm still so excited that I'm an adult. <laughs> like I just, I was such a frustrated kid. It's the family that joke awesome? that I I'm cut my so... own umbilical cord. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, no, oh. it's 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 been the removal of money that's been the most exciting thing wow. for me, and I think that's wow. that's why I've been so interested in crypto and just the idea of like as indigenous people, we don't need to be m- making more money. We need to be removing money as a thing that we Even think about. Even the
0: notion of making... We actually are not making money. Someone else is making the yes. Creating the money. Yes. But my, the work I'm doing now is you know, on this soul print idea. It's like mm. We are sovereign over... Each of us has about 750,000 hours of life to live mm-hmm. if we live to the average statistical yes. life expectancy. So, damn mm. it, Janet, why don't we have control <laughs> over every hour we spend to to be used in a way that hopefully brings mm-hmm. meaning to ourselves to others yeah instead of being stolen a uh, mortgage right by s- some corporations that exist simply because they were the, yep. given the power mm-hmm. and it's like no mm-hmm. that is the future mm-hmm. and we are we're going to do it exactly. we're going to transcend it
1: and i really you know i i really dislike and it feels almost like we're y- youth are, I just actually people in general are being brutalized that if we don't have this motivation to do stuff yes with the risk of being homeless like that's the that's how extreme it is wow in in my mind is that like if we're not if we don't have the risk of being homeless we won't do anything to create Uh, any value
0: like that's insane oh that is insane
1: like people are like you know like people are incredibly creative like secure people are creative
0: yes you know like happy
1: people are creative like, freaked-out people are good little economic units, yeah. you know? and
0: people who have a good sense and experience of yes. belonging are creative, right? Exactly. We know that. That's so, like,
1: what are we—so that's why, you know, especially in any work that I've done with, like, uh, you know, indigenous economic development, I'm just like, I feel like this is—we're getting caught up in the tools. Yes. We're, we're getting caught up in the means and not the ends. Mm-hmm. And we haven't, we haven't articulated, even in our future in severalty, what our, what our end goal is. Our goal, end goal, in my mind, at least for me, is I want to demonetize my life, right? I don't want to, you know, get a little ni- nice nest egg and just not worry about money because I'm sitting on, you know, some assets that are accruing some, some
0: kind yeah. of, like, dividends. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's
1: not, like, that's that's playing a game that we... That's a casino. It's a losing game. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You know, a house will always win. And so, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. removing, you know, so removing myself from it, I mm-hmm. think is is my goal. Wow. And I think is the goal, should be the goal of indigenous people. If we're caught up, if like money is a huge problem.
0: Oh, it's very seductive. It's huge. It's a huge it's, issue. Yeah, and it's huge.
1: If we can genuinely like do, like, I mean, I love the idea of universal basic income. I think that like nation-based, you know universal basic income for indigenous peoples based on our nations is what we should be going towards. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know enough about it to really lay out a roadmap, but like I think that understanding talking with other Indigenous youth that are across the country that are also interested in helping their communities, yeah. talking with them, being like, you know that our economies were set up intentionally by our dominant system to control us. They weren't meant for us to succeed. We're not stupid. No, it no, was set up to fail.
0: Absolutely. It was set up to starve yeah. us. So of
1: course we're struggling. We're doing the right yep. things. So why not look behind the curtain, you know, and yeah. really say like, no, let's, you know, we, again, We've tested this; it doesn't work. So yes. what else is there?
0: And we have traditions that seem to work, even forgotten. You know, your dad yeah. doesn't know the full story. Yeah. About seashells, but neither do I. They just, I just know that it was a wise system. Mm-hmm. It has the characters of the economy that we, you know, is worthy of our affection. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah. 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 Exactly. So. Well, thank you. That thank was fantastic. you. Fantastic. Yeah. No, I love so it. I love conversations with you. Yeah, this is so fun. So good. Well, thanks, Jackie. So, uh, promo Lake, Lake, of Strangers, yeah, is premiering January twenty yeah. fourth in Edmonton. It is yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm again very excited about it. It's been a real, um, it's be, it's just been the most interesting process in the world. It's it kind of has. I feel like it's really recentered me and like what I'm doing. Wow again, you can get so lost in the means of, like, you know, <laughs> making stuff that you forget why. And yeah. it's, like, we need to do... We need to tell stories. Like, people are story yeah. machines and we we're need... We're hungry for... And we need new ones. You know, yeah. our generation especially. Like, yeah. you know, we're at a really weird time where it's, you know, the... You know, the... I don't know. The the battlefront isn't as clear anymore. It's really dispersed. Like, who are we fighting? Where are we going? You know, it's 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 very very strange times So we need different stories and we need different lessons and we need different mm-hmm. we need different myths. You know? Yeah. And so that's different That's myths. what we're trying right. to do with this
0: one. Is oh. throwing something at the wall. Can't wait. You can't know. wait to see it. Yeah, can't wait for you to see it. We'll yeah, we'll be there. Yay. And uh thanks for your story. Thanks yeah. for
1: of course. Thanks for inviting me.